0: I don't know how many of you are history buffs, but uh, growing up my mom was a history teacher and my sister now is a history teacher. So we, we were <laughs> bathed in history, uh, particularly U.S. history and being raised, uh, my mom was a Texas history teacher and so bathed in Texas history as well. Uh, I'm not going to expound upon my knowledge of that Because I would only embarrass myself And they would be texting me during the service Saying, well, you got that wrong um, So, uh, But as we look at Thanksgiving this week There's some very interesting things You know, George Washington Our very first president here in America He called for a day of public Thanksgiving and prayer uh, Back in uh, 1789 He was a very obviously the very first president to do that Because he was the first president but he called on that called on on the entire nation to thank the lord for how he had done what he did in uh, allowing those band of <laughs> misfits to defeat the greatest army in the history of the world and then those guys to come together and write the Declaration of Independence and write the Constitution. I don't know if you've ever read anything on that, but that's a miracle that those things came out of there. And those guys arguing and screaming at each other, uh, to be able to pull that off was, was really incredible. But he, George Washington called for this public Thanksgiving and public prayer because of how God had established this new nation. James Madison, president a couple Down the line, he did similarly. He twice called on the nation to exercise a unified day of thanksgiving. But then, after Madison, no other president for decades asked the nation to exercise this public display of thanks. That was until Abraham Lincoln. He came along. And in observing what he observed in just the nation itself and having his daily time with the Lord... He recognized God's intervention, that what was taking place in the Civil War, turning the tide and uh, the the, the Union, you know, starting to win battles in the way it was, uh, that he recognized God's intervention, God's hand in the midst of it. And so he could not help but declare a day of thanks. And he issued that proclamation and said, as a nation, we need to thank the Lord for how he is providing for us. And he established what he called a day, a a national day of thanks uh, in November. Uh, And that is the reason we celebrate Thanksgiving as a nation uh, in this modern age today. But the idea of Thanksgiving didn't begin with Abraham Lincoln and didn't begin with George Washington. The idea of calling on the nation to have Thanksgiving extends on back into history. And we see it in Scripture with the Israelites, you know, when King David was assigning different people in, in, in the priests and the Levites to do different jobs, he assigned some of the Levites as their only job wasn't lighting the candles, wasn't being the greeter at the door. Their only job was thanksgiving. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 4, he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. That was their job to thank the Lord. You say, "Man, I wish I had their job." Well, we as Christians today have been called on to thank the Lord, and how often do we do it? It's quiet. <laughs> but here, this David said this is such an important thing. We cannot neglect this in any capacity. And so he appointed guys and said, "You will be the thankers." Solomon did similar in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. It was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. So they, it was their job to, in unison, praise the Lord, praise Him together in unison to, to thank Him, to praise Him for all that He had done. And then the nation of Israel went through some strife and some difficulty. They were conquered. They were exiled. And when they had returned from exile, the very first guys back in the nation— Did the same thing here. Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 24, listing out everybody and their jobs. You had the chiefs of the Levites, these guys, uh, Hashabiah. Sherobiah and Yeshua, son of Cadmiel, with their brothers, who stood opposite them to praise and give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. And so the image we have here is these guys, they're standing opposite of each other. The 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 the, the way it's described, the best we can tell, is uh they were outlining the entrance into the temple or into the area that they were going to come and praise. And as people came in, they're being surrounded in surround sound by thanksgiving and praise as they're coming in, because that was the job of these guys, to issue thanks and praise to the Lord. This was such an important thing that in the reestablishment of their nation, the first thing they did was establish people to thank the Lord. And there's something also very interesting, as I was looking through this these past couple weeks, is Paul in Romans, it's isn't just an Old Testament concept. When he starts describing what it looks like for somebody who does not follow the Lord, someone who he calls a, 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 he describes as a proof of ungodliness from Romans chapter one, verse twenty-one, Paul writes: Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Paul, there in Romans one twenty-one, describes a proof of ungodliness is. People who don't thank the Lord. If you don't thank, then that is a demonstration that you're not recognizing God's hand in your life. And so we know that thanksgiving is something that is vitally important for the life of the Christian, for the life of someone who follows God. Last week we saw that Paul linked. Rejoicing, praying, and thanking in God's will. that he says, if you're going to follow God's will, those three things need to be a part of who you are. Rejoicing, demonstrating joy, praying always, praying without ceasing, and thanking God, he said there, in all circumstances. That was 1 Thessalonians 5. Thanking the Lord in all circumstances. He said, that is God's will for you. Well, we're going to look today at a psalm describing something similar to this and what it looks like to be rejoicing, praying, thanking. If we're doing all three of those things that are indelibly linked to God's will, then it will change who we are and it will change everyone around us and it will change us as a unified body if this becomes who we are, rejoicing, praying, thanking. Psalm 100, let's start in verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. That is the theme verse of everyone who can't sing, am I right? (laughs) We quote that a lot in that context. But in the context of Psalm 100, it means something a little different. The emphasis is on joy. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. So every created thing in the world, demonstrate joy to the Lord. And as a part of that, if you are being joy-filled, verse 2 and, uh, well, first, go back to verse 1, I'm sorry. Notice something we pointed out last week that Paul wrote of in 1 Thessalonians. It's a command. Make a joyful noise. He doesn't say only when you're joyful. He doesn't say only when things are good for you, only when everything in your life is going hunky-dory like you want. It's a command. Make a joyful noise. The command is be joyful. So joy is, is from the description of Scripture, is, is not a... a, a Emotion is not an emotional response to our circumstances or situations. Joy is a decision that we make. Similar to love. Love is a decision that we make. It's not an emotion. It's not a response. We decide to love. Same way with joy. Joy is a decision. We decide to be joyful. So if, if we're not joyful, that's because we decided not to be. Maybe because we decided to focus on something that is uh, uh, not allowing us to be joyful. Now, a lot of times we may say this this situation stole my joy or that person stole my joy. But in truth, if joy is an instruction, make a joyful noise, be joyful. If joy is an instruction, then someone isn't stealing your joy, you're giving it away. Not in the sense of giving away joy so more people can be joyful. You're giving it away, depleting your resources. Someone doesn't steal it, Unless it's us stealing it from ourselves and allowing it to leak out and not be replenished. Joy is a decision we make. Make a joyful noise. Be joyful. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now this is going to be important for something in a minute. So if we're being joyful, we serve the Lord with gladness. There's gladness in our heart in serving the Lord in every aspect of our life because we are coming into the Lord with singing. We cannot help, back to verse 1, joyful noise, singing, coming to his presence with singing. If we're making a joyful noise with singing, coming into his presence, there's a link here in Psalm 100 between the presence of the Lord and joy. The presence of the Lord, if we are in the presence of the Lord and know it, then joy is a part of who we are. If we're deciding to be in the presence of the Lord, we know the Lord's always with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus, Matthew 28, he's with us to the very end of the age. He's always with us, even in the belly of a fish like Jonah. He's there even when we run from him. He's still there. But whether we recognize him or not is the difference between a person living without joy and the person making the decision to be joy-filled. If they recognize the presence of the Lord within them. Come into his presence with singing because, back in verse 1, you're already joyful. Verse 3, know that the Lord, or know that the Lord, he is God. Now, this is something interesting I didn't know before, that in Hebrew, the Hebrew culture and the Hebrew language, know that the Lord, he is God. To know the Lord was to follow him. You could not know him and not follow him. They were, it was the same, two different sides of the same coin. To know the Lord was to follow him. So know the Lord, he is God. That means you know him, you're following him. And if you're following him, you're in his presence. If you're in his presence, you're joy-filled. That's reverse engineering, verse 3, 2, and 1. Look at the next part. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. We're not anybody else's people. He made us. And because he made us, we are his. And we've seen in, in, in these past few weeks, uh, particularly the Heaven series, that not only did he create us, not only did he make us, he remade us when we come to know him and believe in him. In Christ, you are a new creation. He remakes us in himself. So he made us, he remade us, he is the Lord, know the Lord, he is God. He made us, we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And in that, in entering into his presence... We are to sing. We are to make a joyful noise. We are to declare, express our joy. We're not simply to keep joy inside. You say, well, I'm joyful. I just don't show it. If you're happy and you know it. Clap your hands. Thank you, Brielle. Thank you, Brielle. We're on the same wavelength right here. Because joy possessed is joy expressed. Joy possessed is joy expressed. If you're not expressing joy, it's because you don't have it. I mean, you can fake it. Maybe what you thought was joy is really just happiness, and happiness is a cheap imitation of the eternal joy. But if you possess joy, you will be expressing it. It's an involuntary reaction to something within you. You say, "Well, I don't have a lot to be joyful for." Well, you've been created. Jesus died for you. Let's start the basic. I mean, that's 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 foundational. He died. For, he created you. You rebelled, and he came and he died for you. That's pretty heavy stuff i mean if that's all that he ever did for us that's enough to be joyful for for all eternity joy stems from our decision to know the lord which is to follow the lord and so we can make this decision to be joyful and if we possess it we will express it we will it it cannot help but come out in us i don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's absolutely genuinely joyful and we would look at some of those people and say, they have no reason to be joyful, but that's also our misunderstanding of what joy is. It's not their life that makes them joyful. It's the Jesus within them that makes them joyful. I mean, I've told you the story before, visiting the nursing home, even though we're not allowed at the moment. But uh, there was, I, I remember distinctly, there were four people uh, from our church who were in the nursing home this one day. And we visited three of them, and then we were going to visit the fourth. And the first three that we visited, all of them were discouraged. All of them were down in the dumps. All of them were complaining and frustrated. But the last one we walked in on, and now she's with Jesus. So she's far more joyful now than she was then, and she was incredibly joyful then. But she lit up. We came to encourage her. She says, "Hand me my Bible," and she starts preaching to me. <laughs> and, and she's reading it, and she goes, "Okay," and I, I read that one. Now you read the next one. And she hands it to me, and it has. And so we're doing responsive reading in her nursing home room. And then she says, can I pray for you? And I said, well, I came to pray for you. She goes, you can do that in a minute, but let me pray first. She demonstrated joy when the first three that, that we saw that day did not have it at all because they had decided that the situation was more important than the Jesus within them. But she decided that Jesus had placed her there for a purpose because those nurses needed joy. Those nurses needed Jesus. That's what she told, told us before we left. She was there because God wanted Jesus to be there. And Jesus was in in her and she was bringing him. Her situation did not dictate her joy. Her Jesus did. Joy was a decision because she possessed it. She could not help but express it. Joy possessed is joy expressed. You say, well, I don't, you know, maybe that's a problem within me. I'm not expressing much joy. Well, maybe the, the thing is, and as I've gone through this these last several weeks, you know, the, the link that, ta- that we saw Paul had last week in rejoicing, praying, and thanking, that joy is a key component of thanksgiving. If you, you if you don't have joy, then you're really not going to be thanking, or it's going to be fabricated and not real, but joy has to be there. And I began examining and auditing my own day-to-day, and how joyful am I, or how much do I allow my circumstances and my situation and and, uh, my to-do list or, or, or things of that nature drive what I would call my joy. And I would say, well, the day stole my joy. Social media stole my joy. Cable news stole my joy. Politics stole my joy. Mainstream media stole my joy. That person I saw in the in the in the aisle at Walmart who gave me that stink eye, they stole my joy. And it's none of you people. Y'all don't give stink eyes. Okay. And but in truth, it wasn't that. As I began to look at it, I had to and, and walk through each one of those scenarios. This is within me. I'm not y'all are holy. It's, it's within me. Begin to walk through it in my own mind and heart. In every one of those situations, it wasn't that like I said earlier, those things had stolen my joy. I had decided to not be joyful because I was thinking about what I saw on the news, or I was thinking about what, uh, focusing on an imaginary conversation because of a one-second look somebody had with me in the store, and I began to develop arguments within my mind and all these things, and Uh, conversations that are never going to happen and have no basis in reality and do not further the kingdom of God. And so focusing on that instead of focusing on Jesus and in that moment deciding that that was more important than my joy. That was more important than my Jesus. But then I had to and what you need to do as well is we got to begin to recalibrate our insides begin to recalibrate our insides so that that doesn't become our focus because when it does, we're deciding not to be joy-filled, not to be joyful. In a, you know, in, in 50, 60, 70, 100 years when I'm gone, do I want my kids to remember me as somebody who was not joyful or somebody who was joy-filled because of Jesus. I'm going to do a funeral tomorrow for a lady who was joy-filled, incredibly so, in spite of many, many things. <laughs> joy-filled, that's her legacy. That should be ours as well because of the Jesus we have. You see, joy possesses joy expressed. We see there, come into, the presence, come into his presence with singing into the presence of the Lord. Interaction with the Lord should, should lend itself instinctively to joy. If we're interacting with Jesus, it, it, we should come out of those interactions with joy. The more Jesus we have, the more joy we have. So much so that we can't help but involuntarily exclaim in joy. And if not, the problem is not with God. The problem is not with our circumstance. If we're not being joyful, the problem is in us. We saw last week, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, that no matter what life is doing or what people are doing, joy and thanksgiving should be the natural part, the natural uh, uh, waves of life for the follower of Jesus. The problem is that we have developed within us a joy blocker, a blockage, a joy blockage within our spiritual hearts. It's not allowing the joy to pump through like it should. Because if Jesus is pumping through our veins, if the Spirit is within us, then the joy is flowing with him everywhere. But if we've developed a blockage, he's not flowing through us. we become a cul-de-sac for joy. It's like stopping and can't get through. It's just stopping there and not doing anything within us and not doing anything within others to bring them more closer to Jesus. You see, a joy blocker keeps us from seeing the Lord, from hearing the Lord, from feeling the Lord. A joy blocker will attempt to occupy your mind so that the Lord cannot occupy your mind. And this is a common strategy of the enemy. Uh, He will develop within our minds, within our hearts, a joy blocker to try to occupy our mind of different thoughts so that thoughts of the Lord cannot be there. So that we're constantly thinking about these other things and we're not thinking about the Lord and we wonder why we don't have joy. Our house isn't joy-filled or our friends aren't joy-filled because what we're filling our minds with seeps into our heart and, and, and prevents us from being occupied with the Lord, with the Spirit. If we're coming into His presence, we're also doing what was written next in Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So similar to what Paul wrote, maybe this is where he got the inspiration uh, in 1 Thessalonians. We saw, uh, make a joyful noise, come to his presence with singing, now enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and bless his name. Why? Verse 5, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. His steadfastness steadfast love. His steadfast love. That means good loving kindness, literally in the original language. Steadfast love there in that verse means good loving kindness. All three of those phrases. Good and love and kindness. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His good loving kindness endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. But that's why, because the Lord is good. But what we should be doing, if we are joyful, we should be entering into his gates, entering into his presence, entering into where he is with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless the Lord. But the. The the psalmist here was using this imagery because this was an understandable imagery for them, entering into the courts, entering into the temple and praising the Lord. The temple was their church. But what we learn from Paul is that we, the believer, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's not a physical place anymore. It's within us. And so we carry the Spirit with us wherever we go. We are the temple. The Holy of Holies is within us wherever we go. So he says, enter into his presence, enter into his gates, enter into his courts, give thanks to him. Everywhere we go, that should be us. Because we are always, if he's within us, his presence, we're always within his presence. So we should, be always, we should always be giving thanks. We should always be joyful. We should always be praising. And so entering into his presence with joyful singing, verses 1 and 2, now we can enter into his gates with thanks and praise. Because a joy-filled person is thankful. And a thankful person is joyful. It's like a cycle, right? You're joy-filled, and so you will be thank filled Then you go back up. Because you're thankful, you'll be joyful. Because you're joyful, you're going to be thankful. Because you're thankful, you're going to be joyful. Because you're joyful, you're going to be thankful. And what we just talked about, the joy blocker is going to want to do is going to want to stop that cycle. So not only will you no longer be joyful, but because you're no longer joyful, you'll no longer be thankful. And the thanks and praise then will not be offered to the Lord. But if we are joyful, we will be thankful. And if we're thankful, we'll be more joyful. The more thankful we are, the more joyful we are. The more joyful we are, the more thankful we will be. Joy blockers will try to knock us out of that cycle and prevent us from ever entering into that joy-filled, thankful cycle ever again. So those joy blockers, then, how do we stop them from entering into our minds and seeping into our hearts? Well, what we have to do is we have to block... The blockers. We have to block them. We have to fin them off before they surface or before they resurface. We have to block the blockers. Let me give you an illustration of this. I've got some stuff here. See if I can get it all without spilling it. It's a pipe you didn't know. Now the thing about this pipe is, look, you can see through it. I can see all of you. You can see all of it. I don't know what camera we're on, but let's pretend you're on that camera. I can see you online. You can see through it. And now this is an image of what it should be as a believer. If we believe in Jesus, his joy comes into us and it goes through us. And going through us, it should have a great effect on us but it should have a profound effect on everyone around us. Because if this were, let's say, a fire hose was hooked up to this end, everyone in the room is getting a piece of that fire hose, that water that's coming through there, all right? And so if joy is, is we're a conduit, we're a pipe, it's flowing through us. But what ends up happening a lot of times, I should have put on the head mic. (laughs) What ends up happening is as life goes on and stuff happens, We begin to develop a blockage in there, and stuff begins to fill up that space, and it begins to take up, and it doesn't always make sense, and sometimes it's one thing in our lives that is causing a problem. Maybe it's something with work, or maybe it's something at home, or maybe it's something at church, or maybe it's something in the world in general. This is going to cause some of the OCD OCD people problems. I'm mixing colors here. Uh, It's old Play-Doh. Don't worry about it. All right, it causes me problems, but I'm not looking at it, and it's aimed that way. Um, and it, it starts to cause a blockage, and now, I mean, Joy can still get through there. I mean, you can still see, but it's not going to come through as, as easily as it did before. It's, it's going to be a little more shut off, have a, have a few more problems in there. You see, I mean, you can still see through there a little bit. You can't see all that great. I can see some of you, but not all of you. It's coming through the, the pipe. But as we allow different things to clog us up and different joy blockers to occupy our minds and our hearts, then the joy doesn't flow as freely as it once did. It doesn't flow as strong as it once did. Have you ever seen someone who comes to Jesus and how excited they are and passionate they are and you think in your mind, well, that's going to go away. (laughs) They're going to get weighed down by this life for... They're going to get, uh, uh, they're going to experience, they're going to come to reality at some point, and they're not going to be, so, that one was already mixed together. <laughs> they're going to be uh, weighed down by the problems of this world and the problems of this life, and uh, that joy will seep out of them so fast, and they're not going to be as excited come a year from now. And more often than not, that's the truth. But what if it wasn't? What if it wasn't? You see... Gonna smell like play-doh the rest of the day. So you see, this deal's blocked. There's nothing flowing through there. That blockage has consumed it. You're not gonna get anything flowing through there at this moment. Because areas of, of my life, areas that I've been focused on and thinking about, have completely clogged this thing, and there's no way in the world that anything's getting through this pipe. And that happens to us. This conduit that we're supposed to be for joy and spreading the joy of Jesus and everybody around us gets clogged up because of this thing here. And maybe the green represents money. And you know, this other thing here, red, represents love and relationships. And I'm making this up as I go. And uh yellow represents uh uh uh, government, and you got all these different things, and, and it blocks the joy from flowing in us. It distracts us from what God has for us, and because of that, there's no joy. The joy's coming because we've got Jesus, if you know Jesus, but it's not flowing through us. It's stopping there. We're not allowing it not only to impact us, we're not allowing it to impact anybody else, and so what we have to do, like I just said, is block the blockers. We have to develop something that will block this blockage from happening. Hey, Byron, will you come give me a hand real quick? Looking around for the manliest man in the room. Yeah. Amanda, don't laugh. <laughs> and so Byron is going to be my, the blocker to my blocker. I want to, Did you notice, as I was blocking, or as the pipe was being blocked, my pipe was being blocked, who was doing the blocking? Me. I was blocking my own joy pipe. I was creating my own blockage. It was me. And so what I need then is something to stop me from doing this. I need something first to clean out the blockage. I need to use the right tool, which at this point was my fingers, uh, so that the pipe doesn't get damaged in the process. But I need to clean it out and remove it. And then I need something something like byron is going to represent jesus to stand here now look at me byron don't let me get to that pipe all right okay i can't get there because i've created a blockage now that's blocking me from creating more blockage he is blocking me. And so you say, well, then what is the blockage we're going to have? How can I create something that will keep me from doing this, that will occupy my mind so that something else won't occupy my mind and create a blockage? I can go sit down. Thanks, Byron. Well, that's I'm going to give you a demonstration of that this morning so that you can then take that and then go and do it for yourself as well. Back on the back table, there's pieces of paper with Psalm 91 printed out on them. I'm going to read it for you here in just a minute. But here's the challenge. This is just a demonstration. This is what the paper looks like. I tried to create a smaller paper, but then the font got so small that you didn't want it. So I just did a full page. Um, 16 verses. And here's the challenge. is I'd like you to do it at least once over the next four days leading up to Thanksgiving. Uh, read through it. Maybe pray through it um, in, in, your, in your spirit as you pray to the Lord. Pray through it. Uh, but... If you're ready to go next level, every time something begins to occupy your mind that will be a joy blocker, what this Psalm 91 is, is this will help you block the blockers. You know how I know this works? I've been doing it all week. Even this morning, I was praying, and things begin to creep in, words begin to come. Those variety of thoughts. And you know what Jesus said in that moment to me? Preach to yourself. You're about to go out there and tell all these people this stuff? Use it. I pulled it out, read it, prayed through it, and you know what happened in my mind? It got unblocked. Completely unblocked. And I could feel those thoughts start to come back, but they stopped somewhere and didn't come back in. So this is, a, this is just a sample, Psalm 91 There's all kinds of psalms you can use there's, there's the words of Jesus you can use There's all kinds of scripture you can use You want more? I got a whole stack of verses in there in my office I remember it was a couple years ago Kelly, you asked me for some memory verses And I brought like 250 or something And I gave you my whole stack And I had to print off some new ones uh, you, I, I'll give you my whole stack And I got 300 in there now I'll give you the whole stack You need some more Alright? But this is where you can start this week. Start today. Because I guarantee you, you go home, this is gonna happen. You say, I want to be a more joyful person. Well, the enemy's probably already in some of your heads right now. Already there. We're wanting to take up some free rent space. Start here with Psalm 91 and allow this to be your your the how you can block the blockers. This is your Byron Garcia. Block the blocker with Psalm 91. This is what it says. I put it in the New Living Translation so we could all understand it a little better. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue me from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day. Do not dread the diseases that stalk in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you will not even strike your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. There is great power in God's words. Great power. So this week, these next four days, as our joy begins to be blocked and clogged within us, take one of those papers. I, I folded mine so I could carry it a little easier. And uh, pull it out every single time, every time those thoughts come, that blockage begins within you. And allow this to occupy your mind. Psalm 91. I mean, it's is Psalm 91, next four days, see what happens and even even if you can't remember the whole thing even just one word can have a dynamic impact even the most obscure word let me tell you a story there was a lady who had committed this chapter of scripture to memory and there was one day that a man came up next to her car and uh, pulled out a gun and was going to steal her car and she froze and all of a sudden, Psalm 91 came to her mind. But not the whole psalm, just one word. If you look at verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers. All she could think of was feathers. And so she just started screaming that word. Feathers, 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 feathers! And she looked at the guy, and she's still screaming that word. Feathers, feathers, feathers! And she saw this guy had this very confused and shocked look on his face. And he lowered his gun, probably thinking this woman is out of her mind. And he walked off. Now, so her car was saved that day. Quite possibly her life was saved that day because all she could remember was one word of God's word. And even one word can have such power to change the course of your life, even if it's feathers, because of what that word represents. He will cover you with his feathers, he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor. Protection. So I printed off a truckload back there. If you want to take some extra and hand them out, you can. We can print off some more, real easy. But we've got them there. And uh, if you if if you digest this and you need more, then Psalm 91, you let me know. I've got. I do. I have those memory cards right next to my desk in my office. I'll, I'll just grab you a handful. You can have them. I'll give you the whole stack. God's word will not only realign, recalibrate our insides, it will protect us and block anything that we would put within us to block our own joy. So I want you to make that commitment to try it this week and see if you're not more joyful. See if your mind is not more occupied by things that are joy-filled, the the, the greatness of the Lord. You can look at the, if you look at the Psalms. We walked through the Psalms a year or so ago. And, and some of those psalms that start off so depressing and discouraging, by the end, they're filled with joy, because what we, is particularly the ones David wrote, you see in David, he's writing his feelings, and he's writing what he's going through, but as he's communing with the Lord, you watch in the words, his spirit changes. Every, in every one of those that start that way, about halfway through, three quarters of the way through, he realizes the greatness of God, and it changes by the end, and he rejoices, In the Lord. So, see what God can do when you set up a joy blocker to prevent you from blocking your own joy. That this becomes a blocker to your blockers. Maybe you're somebody who has never known joy, never in your entire life. You've never experienced true joy. Not just really good happiness, not just Peter Pan happiness that makes you fly. But joy, joy is so strong, no amount of circumstance or situation can make it diminish. It, it can't diminish because things in your, ba- in your life get bad. It, it, it doesn't go away when people go away. Joy comes from Jesus. And if you've never known that, you can know Jesus today. No substitute, your spouse doesn't bring you joy Your kids don't bring you joy. Your parents don't bring you joy. An A on that math test doesn't bring you joy. A raise at work doesn't bring you joy. Jesus brings you joy. That's it. And and having everything in your life go the way you want it doesn't bring you joy. It doesn't. If anything, it will prevent. (laughs) If if God is giving you what you want, then you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. I read an article yesterday about a mouse that had crawled into a guy's bird feeder. Somehow, this mouse had wiggled its way into the bird feeder that was only supposed to be big enough for the bird's beak, and the mouse had gotten so rotund at eating the bird food, he could not escape. He got everything he wanted, but it was going to kill him in the process. Thank the Lord he does not give us what we want because it will end up killing us. If we think that we know best what needs to happen in our lives, much less what we, we think we know best what should happen in other people's lives, Jesus knows best. Jesus, The Father knows best. So if you need to know the Father, and that's the only way you can know joy, then today's your day to believe in Jesus, that he is God's son, that he died so all your sins would be forgiven, all of them. Every single one, no matter how bad. He he died so they could all be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. And if you want to know Jesus and know this joy for the very first time, then do it today. Believe in Jesus today. Say, I believe that Jesus is God's son. He died and he rose from the dead. And whether you're in the room or you're online, if you're in the room, make the decision now. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. I'm going to say amen. That's your cue, if you want to believe, to come down here and talk to me. We're going to celebrate. We're going to praise. We're going to have joy because of that decision. If you're watching online and you want to follow Jesus today, you click that button right below this video, wherever you're watching from, Facebook, YouTube, even the podcast, you click that button. It says, I made a decision, and we will contact you today. You click it. Tell us that you want to follow Jesus Today, Maybe the decision you need to make today is a decision to be joy-filled You need to make the decision to be joy-filled To not allow other things to occupy your mind Not allow other things to occupy your situation Not allow other things to direct the course of your life And you need to take the reins and say I am going to be joy-filled from this point forward But like I said because you make that decision it's going to get harder Enemy is going to target you he's coming for you And you have to be dedicated and committed to being joy-filled and set up a blocker for your blockers so that your joy can continue to flow in you and through you into all of those around you. And that joy only comes from Jesus. Don't settle for an imitation. Don't settle for, for something that's fabricated and won't do you any good. Don't settle for the cheap stuff. Only go for the true joy from Jesus.